This is part two of episode 13 of Camden Cast, your Baltimore Orioles podcast from CamdenChat.com. Recorded on Tuesday, November the 8th, 2011, also known as day one of the Dan Duquette era of the Baltimore Orioles. Andrew and I were sharing our thoughts on the Duquette era and what it means for the future. We are joining you in progress. And, I mean, we're going to find out. We will. So I guess if you want to try and spin it to be a positive, you can say, well, he had some time to have an outsider perspective, so he's not going to be locked into some kind of traditional thinking necessarily. I actually think this is, this is, you're you're touching on a piece that I was thinking about that I'm not really sure how to put together into thoughts. Maybe we can do this together here. Uh, You know how, like right now, the Orioles are sort of raiding the Texas Rangers. Every time a reliever comes up on the waiver wire, the Orioles are snatching them up. It's the new Chicago Cubs. The right. failed Rangers prospects are ending up in Baltimore. And we were grabbing everybody the Cubs could get rid of before. Because Andy McPhail came from Chicago. And he was familiar with that farm system. So he went and grabbed Felix P.A. as soon as he could. And then he gave Felix P.A. all of these chances when he had not exactly earned them to the club's detriment because he had some attachment to this player that he was responsible for the drafting of in one form or another. And, uh, you know, Dan Duquette doesn't have any of those attachments. Right. He's been, he's he's been out for nine years, so we're not going to be raiding like any boss. The farm system. Yeah. we're not going to be going and signing Pedro Martinez. Cross your fingers. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that April Fool's joke from, uh, what was it, two years ago on Camden Chat will finally uh, come true. That was, there were two April Fool's jokes that Zach put up that got me. He, he's been doing it for a while now. And it was the Pedro one got me because it's such a good Photoshop. Right. What did, he took like the Koji signing and somehow he yeah. Pedro in there. <laughs> And it seemed like it fit perfectly. Like, it made total sense. It wasn't out of nowhere. Like, I thought the Showalter getting suspended thing was a little unbelievable, just at its face value. Uh, that one and the Brian Roberts traded to Chicago one, which I it might have been the original one. But those were, those were epic April Fool's Day posts. Never again. Never again will I be fooled. So coming back to our to our new executive vice president of baseball operations, uh, there were there were a bunch of different things that he touched on, and basically his central philosophy or what he said is he thinks that aggressive scouting and aggressive international scouting are very important. Although when asked if he thought that the Orioles had not been spending enough money on scouting, the answer that he gave is that he thinks the Orioles resources have been appropriate but they haven't been getting the proper return for the money they've been spending see i don't know how he can say that he's been there for a day like the first thing he said give me your your ledger i want to look at how you're divvying up your money i mean it seems like just something 
that he said because he didn't want to throw anybody under the bus maybe i would i thought that too because there were there were people that were like well why didn't he say more or why didn't he say the Orioles need to spend more and it's like well you're not gonna go hurl flames at your new employer at your <laughs> i mean it's a press, press conference. conference yeah you know i mean you're not exactly gonna get the fire and brimstone. Give it the old grip and grim, grip and grim, rather, <laughs> as they call it in the wire. Right? Yeah. Um, but I was still, you know, he he hit all the right talking points, and even just mentioning repeatedly that scouting and, and, player, and player development, development definitely. are the emphasis. And I think it's telling that he didn't just say player development. Because, you know, we've been through this whole thing in Baltimore, how they don't have the number of scouts and they don't have the international presence of any of their division rivals, uh, particularly the Blue Jays come to mind because they've been so aggressive there. And that's part of what's made them so good. So, you know, it's sort of it, it's the right thing for him to say we need to be more aggressive in this specific area and it's also the right thing for the orioles to do because that's where they're weak and that's the place where you can get good players for relatively cheap now it would be more telling excuse me more telling if having said that he went and did not adjust the way resources are spent on scouting and player development yep because, you know, that's you, you got to spend money to make money. Um, spend money to get wins. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not going to dissect every last syllable he said during his introductory press conference. I'd much rather dissect every last thing he does over the next probably six, nine months. Assuming we have anyone to tell us every last thing he does over the next six, well, nine you months. Know, we'll, We'll do our best. What trickles down through the, like three people that cover the Orioles now? One of yeah. one of the sidelines of that press conference was all the people's names getting read off that were answer asking questions, and it's like you, none of these guys are going to be at an Orioles press conference or probably whole game for like the next year. Well, that's not. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I just felt, and maybe I'm being unkind, but I just felt like. Maybe half of those people there were just there because there was like nothing going on for the Ravens for on a Tuesday, and if there was like any Ravens excuse to be at, like one winning drive in Owings Mills, they would have been there instead. Oh, how about them Ravens, Mark? We should talk about them. Well, see, I don't know because there's probably some Redskins fans that are on this and they won't want to hear it. Oh, oh. Well, I'm sorry, Redskins. I, you know fans. what? I'm sorry for them as well, but. What are you going to do? I, you know what? I really kind of feel bad for Orioles Redskins fans because... I mean, all snark aside, I, you know, I don't have anything against the D.C. sports scene whatsoever. I know some people do. Uh, and I live down there. I got to live through the uh, the Donovan McNabb era before I moved out of D.C. And uh, it's just, I cannot imagine ha- having to go from the Orioles, and then it's football season, and you get the Redskins. It's, it's got to be a pretty bleak existence. I really well, I, do feel bad. for. I hope they like the Capitals, at least, because the Capitals have been pretty good. Although they always lose in the playoffs. They're kind of like 
Maybe the Atlanta Braves of the NHL. I don't know. Well, they they ran into my Montreal Canadiens two years ago. Of course, they were going to lose. So okay, uh, we're, so we're getting so way off. People, whatever. I don't know. Let's let's not be elitist. Okay, uh, so back to Dan Duquette. Right. I think the one thing, the one phrase that he said more than once. And he repeated a lot of bullet points. But I, I was really happy to see this because I think I wrote something almost word for word at one point. He said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have the quote in front of me. This is a very difficult situation, but it can be done. We just need to work harder and work smarter than the Yankees, the Red Sox, and so on. He did. And that's exactly right. Yes. So the quote that I tried to transcribe as best I could, he did. He said, you have to work harder and smarter when you don't have the resources of the top two clubs. You have to build up the inventory of the farm system, get core players coming from there to the MLB team. And he said, the team that has the best farm system will compete year in and year out. And the value that you create does not have to be created by the money you spend if scouts are IDing talent and player development staff brings them through. And that's exactly right. You look at the Yankees, and it's really easy to say, the Yankees, they spend so much money, they can keep the players that they do build that reach free agency. But look at all the players that they have acquired or developed, and they've acquired them through trades of their prospects that they've developed. Curtis Granderson, who has a strong case for the MVP this year. Certainly one of the four best players in the American right. League. Robinson Cano. I mean, even Derek Jeter, I'm not sure he exactly counts as like a homegrown guy anymore. Outside of the obvious, please no Yankee hate mail. Uh, just he's been through free agency and very lucrative contract extensions. Um, so he doesn't really fit what I'm trying to say. Uh, Brett Gardner. Right, they traded was, for Brett Gardner too, pretty much off the scrap heap, if I remember right. Well, Nick Swisher, they traded off the scrap heap. Yeah, I, I believe. I'm not sure if they traded for Gardner. Uh, I don't know, but you know, Phil Hughes is back there. David Robertson out of the bullpen, who had a great year. Uh, Mariano Rivera again, sort of like Jeter, but he came up through the Yankees system. Oh. Baseball reference says Brett Gardner drafted by the New York Yankees in the third round of the 2005 amateur draft. Right, but Nick Swisher they acquired for Wilson Betterman. I mean, <laughs> pennies on the dollar. And then he turned into a really, really good player for them. Jesus Montero, who just came up this past year. I mean, that is a lot of talent that they developed. And, you know, their financial resources afford them all sorts of advantages that look completely unfair from our point of view, but it starts for them with a strong farm system. And it has to start for us with a farm, strong farm system too. And you can do the same thing with Boston and you can do the same thing with Tampa Bay, especially. I mean, everybody on Tampa Bay has come through their farm system, except for like Johnny Damon, you know, Johnny Damon. <laughs> Still the best part of opening day. Absolutely. Yeah. Although he actually turned out to have a not bad season, so. 
Well, so you can't make fun of him too much. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. You know, whatever. He was in the um, playoffs and the Orioles weren't. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know what? That's all. That's really good as opposed to the alternate, which is the Red Sox in the playoffs. Absolutely. But anyway, you know, the, the key here is to build that farm system. And I was glad just to see that they have that philosophy that that's the way to go right you can certainly question whether he knows the right way to go about doing it but you can't say well he's doing he's going to try to do the wrong thing like so far he seems like he has he knows how to get well okay he knows what he needs to do to get to the end that he wants right although you know generally knowing and executing yeah biggest difference in in the world but he did he did say he knows people that are chomping at the bit so we'll see if he brings those people in and if they're what the orioles need i wonder if buster only knows any of those people too yeah i don't know certainly if there are people worth mocking we'll hear about it and if they're not then we probably won't Uh, i should say you know especially on twitter if any of you are on twitter the mocking of the orioles got deafening and at no point did i feel like it was a personal slight against me i don't know if that makes me like a bad fan or just they deserve whatever bad jokes buster olney and keith law and whatever good jokes grant brisby on sbn wants to make i just personally thought it was a little ridiculous that these guys have nothing at all to say about the orioles until suddenly it's time for just everybody at once to to pile on but that said i mean they had a point that situation was extremely just exposed how dysfunctional the orioles are or can be right well are i you know there's no reason to think right now yet that they have stopped being dysfunctional. No. I mean, we will see. It's the hardest thing. I call this, I I compared it to being the blind man with the elephant. It's the hardest thing for us as fans to try and gauge the front office. And it's kind of interesting how the game on the field has gone and become so thoroughly dissected by even the casual fans so that they can, you know, they can go to fangraphs.com and just bring up the pitch effects of every pitch that any particular pitcher they want to see at any given time. Sometimes, sometimes you get crazy stuff like XBIP on baseball tonight. Like how crazy right. is that? And then like, there's been a noticeable shift in my opinion on the the fan attention and emphasis on farm systems over the past say four or five years and that has resulted in more reporting being done on them and you know i'm not sure that a guy like sbn's john sickles makes a livelihood 10 years ago reporting on just the minors I mean, maybe. I, I, I'm, People but, didn't care about who was playing in the single A as much then to be Right. Sure. And now, like, we all know who Jonathan Scope is. Although maybe we don't know how to say his last name. but Right. And we all know who Manny Machado is. Yeah. And we all know who Matt Hobgood is. And th- those things become much more dissected. You know, the draft is on television now. It, it's, it's crazy. And 
now like you're seeing sort of the next step is fans are trying to put more emphasis on knowing what their front office is doing at least in baltimore we are you and me we are trying we're trying our very best and there's just not and there's hardly any information at all so we just have to guess and it's very very frustrating because we, we just have no idea how bad it is how how good it might be how, and what's going to change we'll have no idea if and when it changes so going that's so yeah, frustrating going off what you're saying about people knowing more about the farm system as far as the fans um i think one of the things that will be different about Dan Duquette versus Annie McPhail is, at least at the press conference, Dan Duquette was saying that he recognizes that sometimes you need to trade your prospects and that if somebody else comes along and a prospect is worth more to them and they're not ready for you, then you can, as his words, I think, were, when you have good players, you got something to talk about. And it, it felt like Annie McPhail was reluctant to deal any of those guys. And you wonder if maybe the Orioles would have been better off if he had been willing to entertain trades of people when they still had more well, value than they did after a bad 2020. Yes, although somebody like James Feldman on Camden Chat has certainly been banging that drum for a while, and it wasn't all hindsight for him. Of course. But, like, you know, you're not trading just prospect Chris Tillman, when he was a top prospect, you're not just trading him straight up for, you know, CC Sabathia right. for 10 years, or uh, maybe Roy Halladay is a better comparison. You're not trading them and then signing Roy Halladay to an immediate extension. It's not like going to be a one for one deal. You're basically getting rid of all of your pitching depth to get one guy. And I think we can all see that. The situation the Orioles are in, they're more than one player away. Yeah, as uh, as as we found out, either side even without ball. trading anyone, we still had no pitching depth. Right. Um, and I understand Andy McPhail's whole thing where he had really what turned out to be four high-quality pitching prospects. And you can dream on building a good rotation if some of those guys pan out and so far none of them have but of course it's, it's too early to really call for some of them also um i don't know you know like I, uh, for me hindsight is twenty twenty because it would have depended who we could have traded for would we have been better off Right, and and sacrificing we never, that upside. Nothing ever got far enough to even like have. Well, this trade was getting batted about in the media, so it's not even like you could point to a specific deal and say, "Well, the Orioles should have done that." And you know, the Orioles never turned into a farm system machine where they were cranking out these guys so right. that they can afford to trade some of them. Right, it they, was the, they developed four high quality pitching prospects and. Then they stopped. They didn't have anybody else. And everybody else is in Frederick, if, right. if they're even there. Um, so, you know, the thing you need is not just a strong farm system. You need a strong farm system that continually gets refreshed. You never have a down year. The Orioles went from borderline top 10 farm system in one year, graduated all their guys, and now they're sitting at the bottom or close to the bottom. Because there's no refreshment coming. 
So you know, they, that's job that's that. job one for Dan Duquette, really, and well, and that's not a short job. That no. is a long term goal, right? But you know, I, we're not going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be fixed. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and have it fixed. But I think it is something he can work to have improved within, say, one year's time, uh, especially if we suppose that one of the problems was player development and he uh, gets in and gets better. I mean, as far as we know, I mean, the Orioles don't even have a consistent organizational development philosophy. Top to bottom. Like, how would they have built a consistent organizational philosophy when there's been so much overturn at every level of the franchise for the past 14 years? I mean, no continuity. Just front executives get changed every three years. Coaches come and go and come and go. Scouts come and go. You know, it's hard to really develop that continuity when there's no personnel continuity. And I don't know what you can do outside of hire better, smarter, more dedicated people. Yeah, but everybody's trying to hire better, smarter, and more dedicated people. So what do you do? I don't know. That's why they get paid the big bucks, and that's why we... uh, We just comment. We comment on it on our little podcast. (laughs) Those who can't do, comment on it. Yep. Well, on that depressing note, Andrew, as as we fully realize the futility of our own uh, our own fan existence, it looks like it's about time for us to close out. So, what what would you say is your final thought for what you would like to have happen in this off season? Well, as the Dan Duquette era enters its first days. I guess I want to see them make a strong statement one way or the other. If they're going to try and develop at the major league level and surround the core that is Weeders, Hardys, Hardy, Jones, and Marcakis, I want to see them actually do that. You know, oh, which no by the point. way, we didn't mention this yet, but Duquette did say that he thinks that the Orioles have up the middle uh, a good core and specifically mentioned Weeders and Hardy and Jones. Yeah, but then later on he said something like, I don't believe that you should jump into free agency until you have a good core yep. with the implication that the Orioles aren't there yet. It's not time to throw dollars so, at Albert Pujols. Maybe they don't have a strong core or I, I don't know. It got sort of mixed messages in there. Um, you know, I don't want them. I don't want to see them go into free agency, but if that's their plan to to build around the team that they have now at the major league level i want to see them actually do it no more vlad guerreros and uh you know felix pas go and and get players that you actually think can can help this core no more Derek lees right or any of that kind of stuff and on the other side if you want to emphasize more on building the farm system I want to see them, you know, make trades to restock the coffers, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, that that hurts me to say because the guys they're going to trade, I really like those guys. I like watching them, but I don't like watching them lose. So 69 win seasons, no matter how awesome the last game was, they still leave kind of a sour taste in your mouth as a fan. Exactly. exactly. So my thought is... Um, Hopefully we can at least say we've seen the last of the days of multiple year contracts to relievers, or at least we don't have to worry about the Orioles giving four years and $44 million to Ryan Max <laughs> exactly. like the Phillies did uh, today. I mean, you can still see those days. They're just, 
a couple miles up the highway. Right. We're we're burning off those contracts and hopefully not taking on any new ones. Hopefully, um, you know, you're you're often made joke about Jonathan Papelbon being the next Orioles closer. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't become reality. I do think that still would have happened if Andy McPhail had stuck around. I wouldn't have ruled out either that or Jose Valverde, although I think Valverde extended with the Tigers, ultimately. I think he had like a club option or something like that. Something or other. But but that's my out. That's my know. out to that prediction. It totally would have happened if, if they McPhail didn't change yeah. GMs. I think you're probably right about that, too, which is the sad thing. But I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the bottom line of this podcast is here we are in the Dan Duquette era. Andrew and I and you really have no idea of knowing if it's going to work out or not right now but we've all got our fingers crossed because man we got no other wouldn't it we got no other ticket wouldn't it be awesome if the orioles were at least mediocre again not just Uh, don't make me don't make me dream mark just don't don't make me dream i'm not i don't want to dream either because every time i dream i get let down yes so you you will see no articles from me this off season that are titled Will the Orioles win 70 games this year or any other number? You know, you know what got me, Andrew, is I was trying to not be optimistic about this season. And after that 4-0 start, I still got sucked in. I was yeah. trying not to. And I still did. So I don't know. Maybe next week, next year, rather, I'll make them at least give me like two good weeks before I start drinking the cool older and wiser i am a year older and wiser if nothing well older maybe not wiser (laughs) but that's life in uh, here we are dan duquette good luck that's that's the bottom line hey we're all hoping he can he can do it absolutely so that's all we have for this time we'll try and be back with something interesting before maybe another month has gone by but uh, as soon as we think of something interesting to talk about, we'll be. I'm sure there's going to be some good news stuff to sink our teeth into. Moves in Major League Baseball, or maybe the Orioles will even do something. Maybe we'll be happy with their moves instead of coming on to freak out. I don't know. That'd be nice. It would. It would be nice. But for now, there's nothing more to talk about. So. Yep. We'll be we'll be seeing you next time. So, Andrew, take care. Until then. Goodbye, Mark. For, it's all a pleasure as always. It, it was a pleasure. And for Andrew Gibson, I am Mark Brown. We're bringing you Camden Cast, and we are out.